African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, good morning for another show right here on Channel Africa. This is African Dialogue. It's great to be back with you. Uh, thank you for joining us here, The African Perspective. My name is Benjamin Mushatama. Remember, you with us on shortwave on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. I'm sure you know by now that you're also listening to us on DSTV on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. Don't forget that we also... Online, uh, remember our website, it's www.channelafrica.co.za. There's a lot of commemorations that are taking place today, looking at uh, the life of uh, Steve Biko. It's almost a very much of a contradiction a day like this, I have to say, because uh, the notions and the black consciousness sentiments that came from Steve Biko are almost peripheral when we have conversations around uh, the current situation of what's happening in South Africa's politics. But it is what it is, I guess, uh, today, South Africa can celebrate the life of Steve Biko uh, as the 12th of September is the day that he died under the hands of the apartheid government. Uh, Steve Biko is known for his views against racism in South Africa and his philosophy, which was inspired by black consciousness. As a leader of the South African Students Organization, expressed his strong pro-black views through the Frank Talk publication, which became problematic for the apartheid regime because it affirmed blackness. Well, today, South Africa's President Jacob Zuma will be commemorating Biko by visiting the Jose Mampuru Correctional Center where the social and political activist died. Well, we've got a couple of guests on the line to help us really unpacking this and also to look at the notions of who is Steve Biko in contemporary society. I know that he's now become almost like this. Even uh, people have adopted his uh, ideas when it comes to black fashion. Now when we look back at what happened with the students' uh, movement where uh, the Feast Must Fall was taking place. Steve Biko was always kind of uh, the mantra behind uh, uh, some of uh, uh, those young students there. But joining us on the line, I've got Zitulele Kindi. Uh, I've got the pleasure to be speaking to him. He's the Azapo uh, Secretary General. We've also got Professor Wale Seroto, a writer, a poet, and anti-apartheid cultural activist joining us on the line. Let me start with you, uh, Zitulele Kindi, in terms of looking at Steve Biko. I know that for you, Steve Biko is not just a, a past figure, but is, uh, is something that probably you can say something that is part of your life growing up. And it's something that um, someone like me who was born in the 80s uh, has never really experienced the life of Steve Biko in terms of his presence. Uh, for you, who is Steve Biko in terms of looking at him in a retrospective manner? Okay, thank you. Good morning, Benjamin. Uh, Steve Biko is one of those foremost thinkers one could come across. Uh, to me, he's one of those who provided <clears throat> political thought leadership to this country long before we even thought that it's worth talking politics in this country. You, you recall that the rise of the Black Consciousness Movement happened in the mid-60s, mid to the late 60s, mm when, well, it's debatable, but for us who were growing up at the time, there was a political lull in the country. 
there were no political activities. So he's one of the foremost thinkers at the time who gave courage to most of us, many of us, that we should take up cudgels on behalf of the oppressed people in this country. That's what Steve Biko was. Uh, one colleague sums it up so well. He says it's, some, it's someone who said it long before I even thought about it. <laughs> I like that sentiment. I really like that because it's got a cheekiness to it, doesn't it? Because he was that kind of a figure, wasn't he? Because he had kind of this uh, courage, but he also had a, a, a way of actually going against the odds in, a, in this kind of charismatic uh, personality. And whenever you hear him talk, he did have that charming personality. At the same time, he had this very much of a, a bravery to his uh, personality. Yes, um, I think some writers and thinkers would describe it as he was a disruptor. Sure. Because they often say, if you want to bring about fundamental change, you must be prepared to disrupt the system under which you are living. And uh, just by analogy, probably let's say fast forward to 2016, 2015, 16, 17, you've got a fallist movement coming in. They were disrupting the education system, the complacent education system as it was given. So you have to be a disruptor in order to bring about change. But importantly is that all these thoughts, all these views were expressed at a very young age, uh, before he even lived or reached 30. He had written all those kind of uh, elusive, rather not, elucidating thoughts and then precepts. In fact, the other day, sitting with his son, he was... He was quipping, but it's a, it's a reality. He says, look, I've outlived my father by 16 years. Mm. It's poignant, okay? Mm. Uh, Steve, all, all what he was underlining uh, was that Steve died when he was barely 30. Sure. And that's basically a sad one. When he was 30, that's when he died. So it's someone who's made immense contribution. And we're glad that today he's being acknowledged. Not that he needed anybody's affirmation that he was a forethinker and, 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 and a revolutionary. But he's being affirmed, I mean, he's been acknowledged by many people, more so for his contributions to the political uh, body, to the body politic, politic mm. in this country. Mm. That's, that's who he was. Professor Walisirote, I want to come to you in terms of that notion that was highlighted by Mr. Trindi there, in terms of uh, that he died at such a young age. And, you know, this morning when I woke up and I, I was thinking about the notions of Steve Fico from a personal uh, perspective as a young South African, I was thinking about my age itself. And I was thinking his death is not really something to really commemorate in a celebratory tone, but it's something to kind of commemorate in, in a somber way because it shows us the brutality of the apartheid regime at the time and also how quickly we've actually moved in terms of uh, not realizing kind of the repercussions of uh, that brutality that we experience from the regime. So it's not just a hoo-ha, let's party day today. It's really this day through the life of Steve Biko. We are still reminding ourselves of the brutality of the apartheid regime. Um, you know, uh, at, the, at one point uh, in the 70s, when um, the apartheid regime obviously had taken a decision to destroy the black uh, consciousness movement. Steve said a very important thing which we must hold on to as we celebrate his life. He said the regime was too late in acting 
because the Black Consciousness Movement had already conscientized thousands and thousands of people who will fight against it. Now, I think that is what we have to celebrate because that, that was true. We saw how uh, after Steve and, uh, and, and, uh, and other leaders of the Consciousness Movement uh, were banned, some were already in exile, some were killed like Tiro. We saw how, in spite of that, there was a groundswell of young people who uh, were determined to fight against apartheid. And uh, the pinnacle of that is uh, June 16, 1976. And subsequently, what happened throughout the country mm. when people were going to fight, were, uh, 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 were absolutely prepared to fight against uh, the apartheid. Regime. Now, I, want, I don't think that we should celebrate the brutality or uh, be morose about thinking mainly about the brutality uh, of the apartheid uh, uh, regime. We must celebrate the fighters. Awom, Tuli, Nkuzi, Shezi, many, many other, other uh, black consciousness activists who were killed, by the way, but who remained very courageous, remained being uh, absolute fighters against uh, the apartheid system. That is what, especially now in our country, we must celebrate the fighters, we must celebrate the people, the lives of the people who gave their lives, who uh, were brave, who fought right up to the end and paid the supreme price for it. Mm. for freedom mm. we should celebrate because that must inspire us that at any point when we are faced by oppression mm. when we are faced by a, a brutality of of, of regimes mm. the only the only hope that we have is that we can use our minds to fight against that and that's what Steve uh, stands out as one among many uh, heroes of our country, as a, a, an example of what should happen when a people are faced by brutality. That is what must be celebrated. Mm. Like staying with you, Professor Serote, it's something that I really wanted to ask you in those conversations because in some of your work, in terms of your poetry and the books that you've written, you've almost seen the shifts and explored the various uh, elements in terms of the diverse uh, stages where South Africa has found itself. And uh, in, in, in from your poetry, I'm thinking of poems like Alexandra, I'm thinking of City of Johannesburg, but also you've in contemporary life you've written books such as Revelations that looks at uh, uh, the contradictions of uh, the current notions within uh, the the struggle or the post-apartheid uh, uh, effects. Uh, when you look at black consciousness currently and how we relate to Steve Biko, where do you think that we place him right now? I think it was very important at the time in the late 60s and early 70s that there should arise a concept like uh, the Black Consciousness Movement. 
I think we have very quickly shifted from that. We are now asking ourselves what is it that we should do to nurture African consciousness uh, so that we find within us who were colonized uh, and who were told we are not part of the African continent. We find within us the ability to define ourselves within the context of the African uh, continent, uh, especially to propagate the concept of African Renaissance. Mm-hmm. What is the part and parcel of the African continent and its Renaissance? And I think Steve would not have would not be averse to that. Mm-hmm. Steve would understand that there is a trajectory that we have to follow in terms of development. And he will part and parcel of the people with his bright, sharp mind would be uh, defining uh, what should happen at the AU, what should happen with the African primary, uh, 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 um, uh, the ATRM, mm. what must happen with MAPAT. Steve would be applying his mind to all of those issues in terms of the continent. Mm. Well, that's the voice there of uh, uh, Professor Wally Sirote, writer, poet, and also he was an anti-apartheid activist. We also have uh, Zutile Lekrindi there who's joining us uh, as the Azapo Secretary General on the line there. Let me take a quick break. Stay with me there on the line, gentlemen, as we continue to unearth uh, uh, these uh, treasures and these sentiments that are coming from both of you on uh, your reflections on Steve Biko. It's 20 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back after this. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyenzovo, and you are listening to Channel Africa. We love Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. That's who we are. We have an agenda indeed, and it is uh, pro-African, and we're not shy about that. So thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Remember, we're on shortwave on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. If you in South Africa, neighboring countries, you can find us on uh, DSTV on Channel 802 on uh, the audio bouquet there. Don't forget uh, our international community. Join us on our website on www.channelafrica.co where you can stream us live today. We're actually taking our time to actually pause and reflect on the life of Steve Biko. It is his 40th anniversary of his death. He died a very uh, early death. Uh, He was very, very young at the time. And I've been uh, speaking to some great uh, guests on the line. Zitule Alekrind is on the line from Azapo. And Professor Wali Sirote is joining us. uh, uh, Very much of a cultural uh, mind himself. 
himself and uh, uh, there's a lot also to unearth from him. I think that we should have also uh, another separate show just to speak to him about his philosophy on the African Renaissance. But before we get back to them, let's listen to this uh, audio where uh, Steve Biko is in a crowd and he's really speaking about the affirmation of blackness and also contesting against uh, this issue of white liberalism. This is the biggest illegal gathering I've ever seen. I've heard what the last speaker had to say, and I agree. We are going to change South Africa. All we've got to decide is the best way to do that. And as angry as we have the right to be, let us remember that we are in the struggle to kill the idea that one kind of man is superior to another kind of man. And killing that idea is not dependent on the white man. We must stop looking to him to give us something. We have to fill the black community with our own pride. We have to teach our children black history. Tell them about our black heroes, our black culture. So they don't face the white man believing they are inferior. Then we'll stand up to him any way he chooses. Conflict if he likes but with an open hand too, to say that we can all build a South Africa worth living in. A South Africa for equals, black or white. A South Africa as beautiful as this land is, as beautiful as we are. Well, that is Denzel Washington there who's starring as Steve Biko there in Cry Freedom. Uh, and uh, it's very interesting when you look at that particular movie. It was actually not shot in South Africa itself. It was shot in Zimbabwe and Kenya uh, because of the political turmoil that was experienced in South Africa at the time of uh, uh, the production of uh, this uh, uh, Cry Freedom. I think Denzel Washington was actually cheated of uh, uh, an Academy Award there. Uh, but let's come back to I guess in terms of uh, the contemporary life that we're seeing and, and how people are actually assimilating themselves to the messaging of Steve Biko. And uh, let me come to you, Zitulele, in terms of uh, do you think that uh, Steve Biko has been marginalized, especially in the political conversation? I know that uh, we've seen. Um, on a small scale, uh, the fact that Steve Biko is still assimilated to in terms of fashion, in terms of uh, uh, the Fees Must Fall movements, we see we saw Steve Biko's uh, messaging, such an important part of that. But right now, do you think that uh, uh, Steve Biko is not central to the conversation in terms of his notions that also some of them projected to the current status of where we find ourselves? Okay, thanks, Benjamin. Hi, uh, that's my home bone for Alex, ne? 
Uh, he doesn't remember me now. <laughs> but that's okay. Um, well, just a few uh, things. Firstly, let me say this. Um, I said earlier on, Steve Biko is larger than life, right? And uh, whether consciously or unconsciously he was being marginalized, I think his ideas live on. The thing that he preached uh, transcend anybody's intentions to marginalize him. I mean, you, you, you've captured it. Uh, maybe let me take a step back. My association with Steve Vigo starts when I was about 17. Okay, Steve Vigo because he was the leader of the Black Conscious Movement mm-hmm. then. I was mm-hmm. at high school. Sure. We had started a movement called the African Students Movement, AFM, which later became the precursor to become the South African Students Movement, which was in the Black Conscious Movement. African Students was merely for us at high school at Orlando West, the same Orlando West High School where the June 16 uprisings, the shooting took place. Mm-hmm. We were there. and. At the time, one of the uh, leading contemporaries of Steve Beagle, Ramedi Nengwekulu, he had run a workshop. It was a winter school seminar at a center called Velkesprit in Rodiport, just outside Rodiport. And some of our uh, colleagues, the, the students then, went to that uh, weekend session, and they came back on Monday during the week, and they started saying, no, look, Yes, we, are, we accept that we are, we are oppressed as Africans in the narrow sense as defined uh, by, the, uh, by the illegitimate regime at the time. And then said, no, but we come from a session where we are told that actually we are oppressed as blacks. The oppression may differ amongst us uh, in terms of being the so-called Indian, the so-called colored, classified that way. And so we embrace the idea that, okay, we need to be broader than being just simply African, but... Uh, in the context of South African politics, my, by the way, let's just say that, we then became the South African student movement and the black consciousness. I'm just saying this is how far he's gone mm-hmm. uh, in influencing us. Sure. Young as we were, the time we went through, uh, Professor Sirote talks about another eminent figure. Mm-hmm. Actually, he's the person who recruited me into the Black People's Convention in 1972, the late Mtuli We grew up together. We were at school at Alexandra uh, Secondary School under the late... Uh, Mr. Tawiani. He recruited me in 1972, and that's how I joined the Black People's Convention. Mm. And when the leadership was banned in 1973, 3rd of March 1973, uh, there was kind of like, uh, we were the second leadership, the layer of leadership that came onto the scene. You joined the organization in 1972. In 1973, you get elected to be the Secretary General of the Black People's Convention at 23, the youngest uh, secretary of any political organization at the time. And so what I'm putting across is that his ideas, his thoughts inspired us. They continue to inspire people even now. They, you, you know there's that expression which is over, uh, probably not over, but under, 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 underestimated. The one that says you can fool some of the people some of the time, all of the people some of the time, but you cannot fool all the people all the time. Those that had uh, thought that they would mm. marginalize Steve Beagle, keep, him, uh, keep his name dead, or not to be mentioned, they, 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 they had read the situation wrong because, mm. like we said earlier on, the fallist movement, Fisma Fall movement, took up the cultures and they, they quote Steve Vigo extensively when they, when, they, when they go out into the thing. Mm. Incidentally, uh, Benjamin, this needs to be told so it is understood. Mm. Mm. Steve Vigo and us were classified as CIA agents. Mm. This must be known. Mm. We're called CIA agents. I don't know for what reason or whatever it is. In fact, we're the most vociferous group in the country that is against imperialism, against the CIA, against Americans. 
but we are classified as CIA agents. Mm. So much so that in 1985, a number of us uh, were attacked. We faced death threats. I'm, to- I'm speaking to you from Port Elizabeth right mm. now, mm. where it was uh, the feud. People had decreed that the Lakota movement must be killed within seven days. We were confronted and told, you must resign within mm. seven days of face death. And uh, we couldn't do that. Mm. We couldn't suck up. And many of our comrades died and their homes were burned and so on. So mm. it was un- it was, un- it was said that at the time, many people tried to suppress the idea of what they were still for black consciousness, but it still survives. So mm-hmm. anyone who does try to marginalize the Steve Bigo, uh, is really, uh, to quote someone, is uh, breaking wind against thunder, <laughs> so to say. Sure. But uh, all in all, all in all uh, is that Steve Bigo's ideas live on and they live. By the way, uh, I was I was auditioning for that cry freedom role. Oh really, really? Yes. Oh wow. Okay. I was auditioning for that. I but, was but, in the front you... running. I just forget the the, the screenwriter. Then <laughs> ah. I think the lady Sue somebody. I just forget now. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow, that's interesting. And uh, so... well, for whatever reason, someone out there made the decision, and of course, the regime also was uncomfortable to give me mm. a, a passport to go to. But anyway, that was just by the way. Well, that's an interesting uh, sidebar effect there coming from you, uh, Mr. Glindy. Let me come to you, Professor Walisirote, in terms of you were also part of the Black Consciousness Movement. While uh, Mr. Glindy is there talking about his involvement, how did you get uh, inspired by the Black uh, Consciousness Movement, uh, uh, Mr. Walisirote? I want to hear your stories around how you got uh, also tainted by this Black Consciousness. I know that you were arrested in 1969 as well due to your involvement in the movement yeah and when when uh, we were released in uh, 1970 uh, from being ANC activists underground activists we took a decision that we should uh, be part of the uh, black consciousness movement but also uh, Steve had befriended a lot of uh, people that I was associated with uh, activists in Alexandra. So that's where I met him. I met Steve for the first time in Alexandra and we had uh, long discussions about what is it that should now be done politically in the country. Uh, and that was in, the, in 1970 when, when that happened. And that's how I became associated. Uh, uh, with the Black Consciousness Movement. I must say that uh, uh, most of the people who were part and parcel of the Black Consciousness Movement were faced by uh, utter brutality of the apartheid uh, regime. In the States, in the rural areas, in the townships, even in the towns. But uh, this did not deter uh, uh, people. Uh, And this accounts, in my view, accounts for why Steve was so brutalized when he was being killed. Because I, 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 I believe very strongly that Steve remained completely defiant and uh, must also have uh, uh, attempted to defend himself physically when uh, he was being tortured. Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe that it was a fight 
rather than a passive uh, somebody who was uh, being passively uh, 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 tortured. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, that is why he was killed in such a very brutal manner. It is something that symbolizes the spirit of the black consciousness movement, but which was too later, uh, which was then, before he was killed, was also articulated very strongly through the uh, uh, June 16, when people picked up stones to fight against mighty Kaspers, mighty uh, force of the of the of the apartheid regime. What am I saying? I'm saying when we think about the Black Consciousness Movement and when we think about uh, Steve Biko, we, sh- we should think about utter defiance against oppression. Mm-hmm. Utter. Uh, mm-hmm. Which was not going to be limited by anything, which was not going to be deterred by anything. And that is why when uh, the the struggle which was waged by the Black Consciousness Movement was ripened, got ripened, a lot of the young people swelled the ranks of Umkontoversis, which was the only home that existed, I shouldn't say the only home, which was a, a, a main center where uh, it was possible to absorb the energy of the youth and uh, in, in the ranks of the ANC, in the ranks of uh, Umkontoversis. Uh, again, I must say, for me, I see a seamless uh, development. I see thieves, many thieves now, picking up arms to fight against the apartheid regime. And eventually, we had 1994. I still see Steve. However, I must say that uh, when, we, when we sit down and think very objectively, we must also say that. We could do better in in terms of uh, giving young people now the opportunity to make a review of the Black Consciousness Movement of Steve Biko and other people who were with Steve Biko, like Bani Pichan and 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 and, and, and others, uh, especially those young people who are at universities who have the opportunity now to. Use hindsight and look at what really happened. Mm. Where were the weaknesses? Where were the strengths? What should we be using, which was black consciousness at the time, which we must use now? Uh, for instance, I think uh, by now, uh, the, the, uh, I write what I like by Steve. Mm. Mm. Should be prescribed. So, should, um, university students should be reading it, mm. analyzing it, understanding what you are saying, mm. so that you, you you have a local foundation to to to, to rise from. Mm. You know, mm. as you then get into Fanon and Cabral so. and Gruma and other other uh, continental activists. Mm. Well, let me get final sentiments coming from you, Mr. Trindy. How do you think we should take forward this legacy of uh, uh, Steve Biko? Yeah, I think taking a leave from what Comrade uh, Mungane said, which is the last comment. Yes, I think we need to seriously think about uh, prescribing some of his writings, his works, uh, so that the youth 
can read about these things and uh, get to learn about it. We come from a history where many of these things were banned. Incidentally, some of the books were, were published. Uh, you would only find them outside the country, yet they were written by people internally. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just, just take a, a leaf from earlier on and also the fact that, well, Channel Africa uh, also goes into strongly about African uh, identity and all. Mm-hmm. Steve, while had transcended, you know, the South African scene, if you, if you, if you, I mean, he, 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 he read and quoted extensively, you know, Cabral, Amika mm-hmm. Cabral, mm-hmm. Fanon, mm-hmm. Amy Cesar, he was already addressing the African diaspora at the time, mm-hmm. because he brought them on uh, into context, into our situation, and, and then he, when he quoted extensively on them. So what I'm saying is that he actually internationalized our struggle so that it's not only confined to the confines of the geographic uh, area of South Africa, but show that it, the struggle that we fight here is similar to the struggle that was fought by people in Martinique, similar to the struggle that was fought by people in, in, in Morocco, in Libya, uh, in the United States of America. All in all, I'm saying, let us then uphold the, 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 the legacy of Steve Eagle. We should not begin to try and, and change it. Um, in another discussion I had with the Minister of Arts and Culture last mm-hmm. month, mm-hmm. when he was saying we should partner together about 48,000, we said, well, we welcome that. Uh, in fact, we are saying we would welcome having, you know, go to the Chinese leader. Let a thousand flowers bloom. Let a thousand ideas sprout and, and flourish. So... This year characterizes that, but many people are commemorating Steve Biko. Many people are celebrating his life, a life lived, a short-lived life that was lived to the full. That still needs to inspire us going forward. I'm saying that's what we should do: take the plank and and, and build from there. I couldn't agree more. Sure. We need to have our own local foundation so that when we transcend and begin to read Marx, we begin to read your know, Fanon and so on. We know our basis. We know our roots. I think that's what we should do. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Trindy. That's Itulele Trindy, the Zapo Secretary General, joining us on the line. Thank you as well to Professor Wali Sirote as well for joining us uh, there. He's a, a writer, poet, and also a political and uh, uh, cultural activist against uh, uh, the apartheid government. They both played a huge role uh, in terms of the fight against apartheid. So we also uh, celebrate you both as well um, for the work that you did during those days in the 1970s so we also acknowledge you and take our hats off to you thank you well that takes us to 11:40 central african time well is this uh, south african queen her name is simpiwa dana a songstress of note uh, uh, tossa singer in south africa uh, she also has assimilated herself to the messaging of steve biko we're going to play you a song this one is titled banco bandu rather biko street <music> Street. What a power, 